and welcome to episode 47 of Anne and Steve Talk Stuff, where an artist and economist walk into a podcast and talk about strange things that make the world go round. Mr. Stephen Kinsler, how's it going? It's going good, going good. I'm, I'm tipping along. Um, yeah, the semester has finished since we last spoke. Mm-hmm. The uh, stress bunnies have, 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 have left me with several hundred things to correct. Sure. Uh, Things are moving along on loads of other different fronts. It's, yeah, it's, it's, um, uh, I often get people asking me like, oh, you're on your holidays now, you know, and, it, and, and that's not really how it works. Um, <laughs> in higher education, um, what we do is spend an enormous amount of our time, you know, correcting and dealing with students, of course, but like mm-hmm. the minute they leave, pretty much we get onto the other bit of our, our world, which is research. Mm. You know, so that's that's all ramping up now. So I have a you know a bunch of people going like, "When is the thing due that you promised me the thing? Mm. Have you got?" I'm literally just looking at my email now, going, "There's somebody and they're like, it's all caps going the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Where is the thing?" And you're like, "Well, it's it's coming." I, I, yeah. I and I'm struck. I have to ask the question because last episode, which was we've gone back to monthly, so this is the first Friday of the month, which um is the month of May and we were talking about time and so tell me Stephen because you speak in these numbers what week number is it oh well it's 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 now week number nothing because the the, the, the term is finished so, so what, week 12 was two weeks ago so I guess it's now week 14 but that's not really a thing okay if we were still in in, in sort of if, if we weren't in a, having a global pandemic um the c-word um we would be like a week away from doing exams. I get you. I get you. Okay. Yeah. So or maybe exams will be on right now. Just, I don't know. I, I've lost all track. In <laughs> case anyone was like fascinated by our conversation a month ago and was dying to know, people outside of academia who were dying to know what week it was. It was yeah. week 12, two weeks ago at the time of recording. So, uh, and this is the first Friday of May. Um, yeah. yeah. So this, this month, um, I still have to adjust that that we are now we are now talking monthly, which which it makes sense with with busy lives. But I, I have to say, Stephen, I, I do miss seeing you on a on a weekly basis. Yeah, me too. I miss the chat. But, I do. I mean, I miss the chat. I find all of my all of my other engagements are. I enjoy them all. <laughs> if you're listening to this and you're like, "Who's oh, totally good last week?" <laughs> nice. Kim. No, I, I enjoy them, but they're they're. Um, uh, how can I describe this? They're procedural. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, I'm like, we're, we're trying to figure something out or decide something or agree something or I want something or they want something or whatever. And it's, it's, it's less of a chat, I think, than, than I'd like it to be. Um, so yeah, uh, uh, the, I, I think just the, the issue is just, just too difficult to coordinate the, the, the various schedules. I think that's the Oh, completely. Uh, but it yeah. is, as I say, lovely to chat to you, uh, as always. And everyone's tuning in going, oh, God, shut up, you too. So fair enough. Let us get a room. Get a room. Get a Zoom. So, <laughs> so we have been struck throughout the year. Uh, I suppose we've had a year where we're, we're always, well, in Ireland, we're always kind of looking out at other places. And um, a lot of focus has been... New Zealand because New Zealand has done a lot of remarkable things in the last year in how COVID was dealt with and also what they're doing economically and 
different things. And interestingly, just a little context corner. Um, I lived briefly in New Zealand for about about nine months. Yeah, back in 2002, which means nearly 20 years ago, which is terrifying to me. But um, it basically I was very struck by um, by it as a place because obviously it's English speaking. It's it's obviously a um, a former British colony. It's still in the Commonwealth. The Queen is still on the money, but uh, there was a lot of kind of a feeling of can do about the place and just a lightness. And I'm like, oh, you know, you don't have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of of centuries of of history kind of weighing you down uh, you know because it's such a new new country and even then like while they hadn't a great um, relationship with the indigenous Maori people it's better than a lot of other countries um it's still not perfect by any stretch of the imagination but certainly infinitely better than their nearest neighbors in Australia and, and the aboriginals but I was really struck by that real kind of just straightforward thinking and not having to be mired in oh what if this and what if that um and while I was there as well I did a play because um I was teaching English uh, doing TEFL and I saw an audition on a on a window when I went along and a play is a really handy way to meet a bunch of people when you don't know anyone in a town you immediately can have a it's like instant group of friends Never and, thought about that. Yeah. yeah, and one of the one time we were doing warm ups and 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 kind of getting to know you stuff, and it was kind of like, uh, well, like what did your granddad do for a living or something, you know? And I mean, one of my granddads. That's what you asking a warm up? Well, it's it's not what you necessarily ask, but it was kind of like a bit of background to each other, kind of getting to know each. I don't know. It was it was nearly twenty years ago, Stephen, as I realized, and um, but I remember there were people. They had legs. What else? <laughs> what else? Did you I remember I was, um, I, I you know, one of my granddads was a, a, a colonel in the Irish army. Another granddad was a, a sales rep for Denny's um, Bacon. And they were all like, oh, well, my granddad, you know, discovered this. My granddad invented that. I'm like, oh, yeah, they're, 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 their grandparents were adventurers who left everything and came really to the other side of the world, you know. Yeah, and sure. I, was just, I suppose I was struck by all these things. And also I found out a couple of years later um, that a place I went to quite a lot uh, every Tuesday, had I been smart and just whipped out $5, I would have seen Flight of the Concords jamming every Tuesday night. And I didn't because I I just didn't know about it. And they, yeah. were, they weren't famous. Anyway, that's my little context corner for New Zealand. So it's a place I, I had a very good experience there. I really enjoyed living there and I would have stayed there. It was just too far away from everything. It's really, really far away. It's a 24-hour flight. But after my very long kind of <laughs> intro and context corner, what you know, why what is it about this place? I suppose what are they doing and how can we learn from them and should we? Well, uh one one thing that they they uh one thing that's interesting about New Zealand is is its structure. So it's it's very far away, right? From almost anything. It's like, so imagine if you just in your mind, as you're listening to this, imagine the globe, place your finger on Ireland and just rotate the globe south until you hit Australia. And then when you hit Australia, 
go to the east coast of it to where Melbourne and Sydney are and then look over a bit to the right and you'll see New Zealand and it's miles away from Australia right so you have to go like it is I have been to New Zealand I've been to Australia it's 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 an exhausting trip to get there when you get there uh, you are struck by a few things. First, it's really well-run place. State kind of just sort of does its thing. They've got universal healthcare. The schools are excellent. You know, you mentioned that the, the Maori issue, they seem to have dealt with that in a really kind of, it's not perfect, but in a really sensitive way. Um, and what is interesting about their culture is it's very positive, very like, let's just get this done. Um, and the government there. It's not perfect, nothing is, but it's been willing to try things that the rest of the world just kind of goes, all right, okay, that's, that's interesting, we'll have a go. A perfect example is independent central banks. Okay. So in the past, it used to be the case that uh, the central bank was owned by the Minister for Finance, and when the Minister of Finance needed money, he, it was always a he, rang up the central bank, said, hey there, Bob, print off some money there, and uh, the central bank did its thing. And then the money was duly printed off, spent inflation, right? Mm -hmm. The Reserve Bank of New Zealand was the first central bank in the world to uh, have um, independence and uh, um, adopt something called inflation targeting. So basically it went, I don't care what you say, Minister of Finance, my job is to keep prices low for everyone. And the rest of the world followed suit pretty quickly, actually. Um, Very recently, the budget, the fiscal bit where they spend and tax they said look we're not going to look at like the budget deficit on its own anymore what we're going to look at is how are our people doing how, how so they don't they don't they don't just have a monetary budget they have a well-being budget oh, wow. so they're saying well look you know what we actually want to do here is like and it's a well-being approach so i'll give you i'll give you a sense of like what they what they want they're saying well look you know we're we're not just kind of allocating money for stuff. We're allocating money to um, mental health. But what we're trying to see is do, do, do the reported cases go down? Um, and if, it, if they don't, then we're going to add more money to the situation, mm-hmm. right? Um, very simple things about like, well, you know, we know we need to increase biodiversity. So even though that costs us money, and there's no particular benefit to any individual. We still think it's better for overall well-being. So we're going to put money in there, and we're going to track it. And they have things. They have something called program budgeting, which is like the way the Irish government works is we just hand money to the Department of Health, uh, twenty billion quid or so, and they just hand money out. And we actually don't know after we've handed the money out what necessarily they do with it. So they hand it to the hospitals. The hospitals do stuff. We don't know if they do the right stuff, the wrong stuff. The right, the right stuff in the wrong place, the wrong stuff in the right place. Like we don't, we don't actually understand at the level of like a cancer service. Mm. Is is the cancer service in Donegal or Galway or Limerick better or worse than the one in Dublin? Is it producing better outcomes? Is it doing more with less? Like how is that working? And I don't just mean in terms of money, in terms of the actual outcomes for the patients. Mm. Uh, you give X amount of money to UL, you give Y amount of money to Trinity. Like, what do you get for that? And so they're able to have these kind of very informed, very granular debates that we we just can't we just can't have here because we don't know. And, and you know, I think they've been willing to 
over a long period of time, restructure the state in a way that you know we just don't have a, a very simple uh, a very simple thing. Um, I am a public servant, so I'm not a civil servant. And the difference is I don't have to sign the Official Secrets Act, um, even though I actually have. But the, the, the I'm the, sorry, I'm a, I'm a total. Uh, I just have to ask the Official Secrets Act. Yeah, so the Official Secrets Act is a is a is a piece of legislation that says if you uh, if you if you become um, aware of a fact that is covered by the Official Secrets Act and you disclose it, you are guilty of treason. What? It's yeah yeah. So like like um so. We have a secret service in Ireland, right? Sorry. We do. I'm and we, sorry, I shouldn't laugh. I just go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't pretend like you're not in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 the secret service. No, no I, mean, I mean something more like, I, here's a good example of the official secrets, right? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, an official secret would be the content of the budget before the Minister for Finance stands up and actually... Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, and, and there are there are things that are covered by this act. They're, they're kind of innocuous, but they they basically mean that you can't talk to anyone about it ever, even on a podcast. OK. Yeah. OK. Good thing yeah. you're a you're a public servant then. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's so the, but, but public servants are typically they're not they're not that they're, they're, they enjoy terms and conditions that most pub, private sector workers don't enjoy. Um, particularly about their tenure, so it's very difficult to, to sort of sort of turn around to me and go, Steve, you're fired, right? Whereas in other jobs, you know, that that is much more likely to happen. Uh, and particularly for poor performance, right? So I mean, if, I mean, whatever about saying something that 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 the politicians don't like or whatever, which is something I did today, in fact, um, and it's really annoyed lots of people. Um, can you the, can you say it again? Oh yeah, sure. I mean, I, I, I what I said was, um, we're, so we're recording this on Thursday, May the sixth. We have a huge crisis in this country uh, um, at the moment, and the reason that there's a crisis is because uh, um, investment funds have been buying up large amounts of um, um, housing. Housing. How, I'm trying to get this exactly right. So housing estates. Oh, so yeah. like three bed semi D's. They've been doing this now for five years. They've been buying up apartment blocks all over the shop. Nobody's particularly been upset about it. The issue is now, and this is what I was writing about, that the middle classes who aspire to this, you know, family home, forever home, what 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 a psychoanalyst would call a fantastic object, something that when you get it, you will be happy. Mm. You know? Um and you know our, our entire culture is built around this this object, you know. And if you can't do that, you are, yeah, really in trouble, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, so uh, people have gone mad about this. And my point is, my point is a to point out the hypocrisy of this, right? It was fine until it was happening to people like you. Mm. Mm. The second thing is, the minute you get that house, you become the people whose job it is to keep everyone else's uh, everyone else from from getting what you have mm. there's a distributional concern there and the third point is to say don't call it a crisis it's a policy right it's literally designed to do this like if i drive if i have a car that drives fast i can't go that car's driving too fast it's literally designed to do that thing yeah and so it's just just really like calling out the fact that the people like, like it's completely legitimate to want a house. It's completely legitimate to have these dreams and these expectations. I don't think it's fair that the really the first time there's a national outcry about it is when you, it's clear that it's like 
bashing off this fantastic object that we have the fam- get on the property ladder mm. you know, your okay. family home, your forever home like think about how much emotional baggage the phrase forever home actually has you yeah know? anyway so anyway back to that, back to public civil- that, i can say all that stuff and i'm an academic mm. and the president somebody can ring up to you president of the university professor professor kirsten may my boss and say kirsten that cancel the lad's dick fire him mm. and kirsten can say to that person I cannot fire him. He has a full academic freedom. He's writing about it, something he's an expert in. Mm. Um, and no, I, like, like even if I want to, which I don't, um, uh, uh, I can't do it. This happened um, and, and I am in no way comparing myself, just to be clear. I'm not making any, any comparison. Um, when uh, an economist called Morgan Kelly wrote a series of extremely prescient articles in the Irish Times, um, hundreds of developers and people connected to the property market rang up the president of the UCD at the time and demanded that he be sacked. Mm-hmm. And the president said, I can't do it. So academic freedom is really important. But there are other types of um, uh, public sector workers for whom these protections are not that important. Mm-hmm. Like important that somebody who works in the motor tax office um, enjoys protections that no other private sector worker enjoys, right? Okay. That kind of thing. Now, uh, before everyone starts jumping down my throat, call me a right-wing ideologue or something like this, uh, um, the the argument that I would make is that people in the private sector probably, rather than saying, why do those guys have things we don't? You know, it, it, a reasonable question is like, why don't you just ask for them mm. and get them through your unions? That's what unions are for. Um, but anyway, the 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 point I'm trying to make there is about New Zealand. Yeah, so back New to Zealand. New Zealand. Sorry, I dragged you, I dragged you into the... the... No, no. New Zealand is willing to make the call and say, actually, public sector workers aren't permanent anymore. Wow. Well, okay. Okay. Yeah. So they, they, in the 80s, they went through a massive restructuring of their public service, like mm-hmm. truly enormous. They, they let go loads of them. They, re, they, they moved departments around and all this kind of thing. And they've been willing to make these kind of like, you know, hard, difficult. And, you know, sometimes sometimes damaging. Sometimes they, they made the wrong decision. Like they, 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 they embrace something called new public management. Um, which was, you know, very right-wing kind of approach in the 80s. Um, kind of in the 90s, they resiled from that a little bit. And, and now what you see is a bunch of um, policies that are just very, very well targeted, like like um, a very, very simple one um, uh, is around um, uh, is around community services. Right? So so we actually don't know how much value community services um, give to the taxpayer, but they're what they're what they're saying is they're they're really they're really willing to to give vast amounts of funding to family violence services providers, mm-hmm. right? So people who are going to really help um, uh, people, mostly women who who, who experience um, domestic violence, right? Now that's that's something that's done by charities in Ireland. It's not done by the state. Wow. State doesn't really. State doesn't really. In fact, my wife worked in one of these um, and, um, um, areas. Yeah, it's typically run um, somewhat ironically by religious services. But but the the um, the and they do good work. The the most important thing is is here you have the state vastly investing in something that it, it's very difficult to say like you know we made things better or you know we got 
10 more heart operations for our 10 million euros or whatever. Yeah, I think, you know, I've talked to this before, is that kind of countable or quantifiable benefits and then stuff that's just good for society. Do you know what I mean? But maybe you can't measure it in a, you know, it's something, it's it's a bit of a struggle in in the cultural sector as well. Yeah, it's it's a huge, huge issue. You know, it's a huge issue. Um, um, So, like, I think the, um, I think what 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 I'm really impressed with New Zealand with is, is their ability to experiment and just be very bold mm. about these experiments. Sometimes they're small enough things, but they they communicate something very important. Um, so we were talking before we started recording about the um, the the money that they're going to spend. It's just a trivial amount of money, really, but it's what it says. Uh, it's the amount of money that they're going to spend um, on leave, paid leave, when um, someone's experienced a miscarriage. Right. I mean. Again, like it's a very small amount of money, but at the moment that someone experiences that, they actually do need a little bit of time to get their head together, do you know? And I think that's great. Do you it's, know? It's, it's, I, you know? I think it's three days, but it, yep. it's what what I've been struck with is, um, or struck by is, you know, so many people I would know over the years um, who yep. had suffered uh, miscarriages, um, both women and their partners, who then had to either just not talk about it or not acknowledge it. And, yeah. and we're really, you know, there, there's nothing. It's just not talked about. Yeah. And the idea yeah. of a government going, you have suffered and you need time off and you will be minded, that'll be paid. Take three days and you're not going to, you know, that has an effect on society and how people yes. mind yes. each other. Like, I mean, it was a couple of years ago, a friend of mine, um, had a pregnancy that it became very clear that the the baby wouldn't survive and at six months I think um they you know um she she lost she lost the baby and like she she, herself and her partner were aware that um even if she did go to full term this child as they say kind of their body their lungs wasn't compatible with life outside the womb terrible horrible horrible thing anyway she took leave, but her partner was given no leave at all. Uh, and it oh. wasn't like it, it was very, very traumatic, um, you know, and he just was given nothing and told, you know, he even went to the bother of explaining what he was going through, which a lot of people mightn't feel up to. Yeah. And he was yeah. he was offered nothing. So so I'm point being <laughs> point being this move in new zealand to do that like what that does to society then what that says about what what you value yep and what what is what what is pain and what is can be talked about like that has a knock-on effect when you put a policy in place yeah of course and and, and one of the things i was struck by with that when I'm going to say something else. There's there's a there's an element, and it's just an element of uh, discourse mm. in the labour market, particularly, which is it's it's not talked about because it's not there, and when it is there, it's treated as an exception. And I think that what's interesting about it is. 
when it becomes the default, then it's just the default. So what I what I mean by this is uh, your your friend that, that had that horrible experience mm-hmm. when her partner or her husband uh, went to speak to his boss. You know, it was like this happened, and the boss, you know, like like you don't know how the boss heard that. Mm-hmm. You don't know what you know what 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 like. There's no frame for that conversation. Sure, sure, right. Of what do I do with this? And then you can say from the boss's perspective, the boss is like, okay, so, so what do you want to go holiday? Do you want to, are you, are you sick? Like, is this maternity? Like, well, what is it? Where, what's the box? Where does it go? Mm. You know, and the HR people are like, well, what, 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 what? you know, it is interesting. The state by, and I mean, it, that's, I mean, it's, you can imagine a different discussion being had with you know i guess i guess maybe her bosses were like oh 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 it's medical okay right fine, mm. fine, medical. fine you know you can see that there's a box to tick when the box doesn't exist or you don't feel like you can have a conversation or mm. there isn't clear reimbursement for the firm mm. like you know a lot of firms in ireland most firms in ireland have less than 10 employees right they're barely making it along so you're going to listen like i'll make it in for the next three days or five days or whatever because this thing happened to someone else mm. That's a that's a weird thing to say to a small employer. Yes. Right? So yeah. they, like that, I think a lot of the time, you know, we take we, we we typically correctly look at things from the perspective of a of a um, of of someone the individual suffering this. But you've got to remember that the other side of that is there's their employer. Mm. You know, their employer is sitting there going, "Well, now I don't have anybody to make the thing, mm. do the thing. I need to, you know, I'm out X amount of production and and like." It sounds hard to say that, but 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 that is that is valued, and you know, a public policy person needs to see both sides of that. Yeah, and so it is important that the government actually turns up and says, "Yeah, this is important." Exactly. Uh, to create the frame for everything, and yeah. like you're not going to have a discussion about, I don't know, minimum wages, unless you have a policy on minimum wages. Yeah, and you're not going to have a discussion about. Um, period poverty mm-hmm. right unless I, I, actually weirdly this is a discussion that we're having here in ireland at the moment yeah um and they're not having in new zealand uh at least not to my knowledge that, that whole thing you know that whole thing of like sometimes governments do some do, do things and they construct the frame for a dialogue between mm-hmm. people that's not a bad thing i i think about it in terms of parks i've been reading a lot of it parks recently yeah parks are public spaces parks are like libraries yeah they're like engines of democracy right because you don't charge into a park you don't you just you go there because y- you can get there and you want to hang out and you might want to lie in the grass and just stare at the sun you might want to have a picnic you might want to watch your kids play whatever you want to do you yeah. just sit around and have a coffee with your mates but you it's to- it's not a space that's mediated by the market no no yeah public you get you're a citizen you live in the country yeah you are you're just there you're just a person with with two arms two legs you get to use the bloody thing right or even not arms not legs you're just there that has to be provided by the state if the state provides nice parks it's a statement to the citizen of how they're valued yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and if, 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 if it's something I, I've been reading a lot about the history of Central Park in New York, and really, like, this is the most valuable real estate 
in the world. Yeah. And it's being used for grass, like, yeah. right? Fucking grass. Central Park shouldn't exist. It shouldn't, like, I mean, uh, you know, uh, no economist would allow Central Park to exist. Yeah. Park would be skyscrapers. And New York would be worse for it by far. Yeah. The people, the people who enjoy Central Park, and when I lived in New York, I enjoyed it. What they, what they got from that was, you know, there's, there's, I think in Ireland, we struggle to communicate the value that the state gives to people. Mm-hmm. So, so the only time you hear about the state is when it messes up. Yes, of course. And, you know, the statement of balls, this and statement of, you know, I often think about it. And I think I've described it to you many times as like you drive along a road. The road is flat like glass. It's a great road. Mm-hmm. And then you hit a pothole. You get back and you say to your wife, Jesus Christ, I hit this pothole. Someone should do something. Yeah, right? yeah, You don't yeah. talk about the 99% of the road. It's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the yeah. same with the state. It's like the plumbing. Now, often, by the way, the state wants that to be the case. They don't want what they do to be that well-serviced. Yeah. There is often also the case, I think, that we are overly focused on the things the state does badly. Mm-hmm. Often because... When the state messes up, the consequences are extremely severe for lots of people. And also, the state can't die. You know, the state can just sort of outlast you. and It has loads more money than you. And when the state decides against you, like, it's very tough, you know. But, but, so I'm not saying it's perfect, but I, I can tell you, like, I've spoken to, I spent, you know, 20 years now talking to ministers and secretary generals and, senior civil servants and none of them struck me as particularly filled with the holy fire of god and and and, and genius hopping out of their eyeballs and none of them struck me as evil yeah they're just people like us trying to do their best trying to do their best well you'd certainly you'd hope that's what you'd hope i i do think it's it's interesting though like obviously you don't like you don't want to be a, a moany hole and there are plenty of them, no. especially with social media. But it is important, I think, when we, we point out the things that are, are working in other countries or aren't working here. Yes. Um, like an interesting thing that's come up, I, I, I just had a quick check. Uh, New Zealand um, last June um, ensured free period products for all school girls. Ah, good, so, good, yeah. good. I think good, it, they'd be... They would be on that, um, but yeah, but that's only something that's come out of activism and 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 actually young young women, uh, particularly schoolgirls, actually in London and and that uh, or in England, being very vocal, and 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 that. Uh, but you need someone to ask the question. I remember you and I talking. Uh, oh, it was a good few months ago, and you were talking about being in the room of some decisions that are in some subcommittee of around COVID things, you know, and contributing. And you realize it was a room full of men at one point. And, and as a result, maternity cover hadn't come up in a way that it might if there was a, if it was oh, yeah. a more diverse room. Yeah. 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 And something that's kind of come up now in the last year where, especially especially in the last, say, four months, four or five months in Ireland, where we've been really, really severely restricted. Uh, and we're asked to be outside if we want to do anything or go anywhere or have any kind of interaction outside our house we're expected to do that in if you live in the city just on you know go around the street or if you live in the country like but the big issue is um uh, there's no toilets 
anywhere. If if, if cafes yeah. and pubs aren't open, there's no toilets. Yeah. Which is not the end of the world if you can easily go to the toilet in public kind of discreetly, which is not possible really for half the population. And you realize, oh, the consideration is not being given in these decisions. If you're telling everyone, just go outside, walk for hours, drink coffee, there is a, something's going to happen. And, and if you can't, like, you just have to go home. And, and like, and I am not, you might be going, this is a bit first world problem me. It's not that. It's like this very minute, small example of the, the right question being asked. And, yeah. and I think what's interesting about New Zealand is you people kind of considering things on a kind of a multi-layered yeah. way rather than just in Ireland where sometimes things because, and this was kind of what I was saying earlier about the old weight of history, uh, I, I felt wasn't there. I felt people were kind of lighter and just, hmm, we can do this. Oh, let's do that. And there wasn't a way, well, this is the way it was been done for years. And this is how, I mean, there's great traditions that are beautiful and amazing and wonderful, but often we can get very, very, very kind of calcified in our notions and, and, seeing what's even possible because no one's asked the question and if a whole bunch of people who are telling us go for walks and they don't consider maybe you need to let people use toilets or else put out more public toilets or you know or make the outdoors more viable for or not even women like like kids or baby changing or as we said period poverty there is a knock-on effect with that you know you, you just have to go home so I think what's interesting is for us and you and me because we often like to talk about other places but our, our other ways of doing things because I think what we've been taught in the last year and and now two months <laughs> more than anything is any notion of this is the way things have to be because that's the way they have to be has gone I mean you've had to yeah. a year and three months ago if you were told you were going to be doing all your teaching online you'd have gone uh, no I won't but need, me needs must and things change and it's just who's getting to ask the questions who's thinking beyond their own experience or the, beyond their own needs even um, which is the big question, I suppose. Yeah, I, I, I think some of it is just if you haven't experienced something, you're very unlikely to have it like front of mind, right? And that means if, if, if you don't have people in the room with, with experience of something, you're, you're going to randomly miss things. Not deliberately, but you're going to randomly miss things, um, which speaks to the kind of cardinal uh, uh, virtue of diversity. And I don't mean diversity in this kind of like woke, you know, um, oh, diversity equals good kind of way, right? I, I, think, I think sometimes diversity is a bad thing actually, um, but, but in, in, in general, in general, there's a very, very good, I, good reason to have more people from different backgrounds because they think differently mm. and they're able to say, what about, hang on, hang on, what about, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like a, a stupid thing about this is like, um, you know, there, there was this thing that went around on WhatsApp. We we're talking about WhatsApp before we hit record. And it was just like, these are the people deciding on hairdressers, but they're all bald men, like, do you know, and you're going, ah, so, you know, <laughs> they're less concerned. 
<laughs> the rest of us. <laughs> and you go, yeah. And you go, well, maybe period pain, maybe that's, or maybe period poverty, maybe that's less of a, less of a thing for, for the mainly male cabinet. Maybe mm. it is. Um, the, 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 and there's loads of other examples of that. But um, I think often our perspective is very, because we, because we tend to go for the median in lots of things, mm. in the middle of the middle. Uh, we tend to kind of screen out people on either end mm-hmm. all the time. So a lot of our policies are kind of aimed at people in the middle class. Oh, very by much. By definition, right. Yeah. Um, and so, or, or just, just people in the middle of the distribution. So look at education policy, right? Uh, for many years, I have been particularly exercised at the fact that there's very, very little funding for genuinely gifted children. So not people that they... So there are people who have special needs. They need to get, that need to be addressed by special needs assistance, right? Mm. But some of those special needs are not remedial, but exceptional. Right, I get you. They're at the other end of the distribution. So Mm. you've got a kid who's going absolutely bananas in class, kicking off all the time, not because they don't understand what's going on or they've got behavior problems, because they're bored out of their minds. Mm -hmm. Because they're in the top 1.1% of the whole distribution. Mm And I, I would have, I would have, I spent uh, 15 years teaching at a thing called the Center for Talented Youth in Ireland. Okay. So every summer I'd go up there and you meet these kids and they're the, they're the nerds, they're the, you know, they're these little sort of, you know, uh, dorky kids who have all gone on to do amazing things, right? Some of them are professors in Caltech, some of them are at Oxford, they're just extraordinary people, right? Some of them have set up amazing companies. All of them appear as problem kids. Mm right and that's a small example of what i'm talking about uh it's it, it, but again like it's very hard to say if you're the minister of finance you've got to allocate what are you going to give like a million quid to kids with kids with special needs or or you know you know like pick a case down syndrome or are you going to give a million quid to you know a bunch of smart kids who are probably going to be okay like mm. it's, these value judgments are made all the time and the ability to make them is the, is the difficulty of public policy mm you know uh, uh, yeah absolutely and i think it's just having more well we talk about diversity or that but it's almost like a different mindset uh in like you know i remember and my my dad used to talk to me he was a philosophy he was a philosophy lecturer and um he he said you know it takes 50 to 70 years for an idea to actually settle into the cycle you know, right. so, so some yeah. new thinking happening now is not going to be the norm for another 50 to 70 years. And as I said, that whole New Zealand thing of um, just lighter or more openness or less, no, it's not the way we do things. And uh, and I know we have such riches and amazing things in our culture, but I I think it's interesting to kind of learn from another one. Actually, an interesting thing happened while I was there. There was a there was an election. And there was a, a debate and they had this thing called the worm. Did you ever hear of that? No. So they had an audience live in the in the studio and they yeah. all had a dial on their seat. And it was basically like, don't like. And it, but it was right. a dial rather than a switch. And and it was kind of um, they were all feeding into this. So as someone was talking, there was this line going like a graph going up and down. 
for okay. for how they were enjoying it or how what they were engaging with and obviously it was being you know kind of averaged out from the audience yeah, i look yeah. at twitter basically <laughs> but twitter all funneled into one thing and um that was it but i'm just saying like they were using stuff like that um and the politicians were like we don't really like this thing <laughs> <laughs> understandably you know being kind of you know rate my teacher on on like live on on, and it was on screen so you saw it um (laughs) (laughs) i'm having anxiety anxiety just thinking about it well the thing is anyway it's a fascinating it's a country and you know the prime minister she's younger than both of us which is just mad um And yeah, she's pretty great. Amazing. And we're just at that age, Stephen, where we're we're beginning to pass out the world leaders in age. Um <laughs> okay, she is ridiculously young. Let's focus on she's ridiculously young. <laughs> I, I, I just like like what, what's interesting about her is particularly in the era of Trump, it was interesting to compare the two. Mm. Um the there's lots of young leaders around the world, Austria has one, um, but 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 Ireland had one. The, um, the interesting thing is what she has done with her power. Mm-hmm. And I think she's been a very good example of an empathetic leader, mm. particularly when they had the mass shootings. Mm. And she was able to translate that empathy into, into real movement on guns. You know, in New Zealand, it's, it's like there hasn't been a shooting since. They just got rid of them all. They were like, you know, and she's a t- tough person. She managed to bounce very pro-gun people in, you know, like, in public mm-hmm. you know she like that the, the story of how she managed to do that was like you've got to be a fairly good politician to do that kind of stuff so she's good at politics as well as doing the whole like you know hopey changey thing she's also been very good at the actual mechanics of hardcore politics and um and she has annihilated in terms of um covid you know she's really done a great job there mm-hmm. um but th- i mean maybe we can come back and talk about whether whether we could have done what she did um that she does have the virtue of being really 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 far away from people really far away very similar population to us but they aren't the hub of a load of um of a continent of a load of countries coming in and out but a fascinating place and um lovely to chat to you as ever Stephen. so have a have a lovely month and well we will talk to each other for the first friday in june indeed until then have a good one bye You have been listening to Anne and Steve Talk Stuff, a Limerick Post podcast produced by Eric Fitzgerald. Theme tune is performed and composed by David Blake. Please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast and tell your friends. You can now follow the show on Twitter at Anne Steve Talk. Yet Stephen at Stephen Kinsella. He's a Stephen with a PH. Anne at Anne Blake 78. That's an Anne without an E. And the Limerick Post at Limerick Post.